If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Guten Tag. Konnichiwa. Bonjour <laughs> to all our international <laughs> listeners, of course. Welcome to Stoke the Fire. As always, we're your hosts from the UK and the US of A, Matt Stocks, Jesse Leach. Pleasure to see you as always, Jesse. Always a pleasure. I always look forward to this. Uh, it's the highlight of my week or sometimes bi-weekly or whenever we are able to do this. It's always a pleasure. You did have to pause for a moment there, though. Don't think that didn't go unnoticed. <laughs> is it a pleasure? Yeah, of course it is. Of no, of course it it's a pleasure. Thank you to everybody who you know not only tunes in and watches the show or listens on Spotify or iTunes, etc., but to everybody who writes in. Uh, and everybody who engages with us on our social media pages. If you're not already, please do follow us on there at Stoke the Fire Pod. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Probably use Instagram the most because it's the best and the most fun, but you can find us on all of them. And if you want to get in touch, if you want to reach out, share your story, suggest guests, give us feedback, tell us we're awesome, um, just get in touch, say hello. Stoke the Fire Pod at Gmail. Dot com um and yeah man this is like episode 38 i believe i lose count but we're going to be at 50 soon it's killer man i love it i love it it's it doesn't even feel like it's it's been that long of a journey but it has it's been amazing yeah we'll get there brother we're gonna have many 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 more episodes I yeah love it. 50 down forever to go well 38 down forever to go so today's guest is an amazing lady i met her through my podcast and we did a chat about i want to say six months ago now it was a while back um and she runs an amazing organization that brings together skateboarders and musicians whether that's like punk rockers or you know rappers um and she just kind of like celebrates their artistic talent and brings all these different people together they go on tours they roll up to festivals they did a coffee book recently um and the kind of people in it is like tim armstrong from rancid eric melvin from no effects there's skaters like uh, matt hensley who's also in flogging molly um, then there's like charlie tuna from jurassic five so it's just some of the coolest people ever and, and she's kind of like the caretaker of all of them she's the mum, um and she's just an awesome lady she's got a really inspiring story in many ways as well and hopefully we can you know get into all of that stuff and more on the show today so without further ado let's bring on emily nielsen from punk rock and paintbrushes emily yeah come on down join us around the digital campfire hey all right Hello. Like magic. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? We're well. We're well. Um, last time you had lighter hair. Have you gone for a darker color? 
Oh, uh, no, I just uh, have stopped caring. I maybe. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a busy lady. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I put on, I'm not in my pajamas right now. So that's, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's success, I think. <laughs> I, I think the dark hair suits you. I think it looks great. Is that your natural color? really uh you know i don't know i had um it's been I so had, long <laughs> I, it has no i had like um straight a blonde hair as a child and then as you probably know when when people grow their hair back after chemotherapy you basically get new hair so i wow. i looked at it like i had like two two hair two hairstyles in a lifetime. So then it grew back like crazy curly and super dark. And now I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is. So. Well, it looks yeah. great. And you look great <laughs> as always. Uh, and um, this is Jesse. This is my dear friend and co-host, Jesse. Jesse, this is Emily. Hello. Um, pleasure. Hello. She's actually going to be rolling up to where you are tomorrow, Jesse. Um, she's going to be loading up. Can I say this? I yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be putting a bunch of artwork in Slipknot's truck, and they're going to be taking it across country for her. So she'll actually oh, be awesome. in the vicinity at the show tomorrow. Oh, right on. Yes. That's, that's great. Hell yeah. Yes, probably for about 25 minutes in the morning. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably still be sleeping at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just today was scrambling around trying to make it uh, all come together. And, yes, we love five bam. That's all I can say. <laughs> So I'm so grateful that they pulled through for me and uh, we're going to Florida next week. So, yeah, um, I think uh, karma, good karma came my way today. So that's very, killer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So before we get to know you, because I kind of did this the other way around when I spoke to you last time, I got to know you and then paint, punk rock and paintbrushes. Um, but I feel like we should just kind of get into the, you know, the amazing work that you've been doing with that company first. And then from there, we can learn because you mentioned obviously chemotherapy there and you are a cancer survivor and a hero and, and we definitely like to talk to you about that journey and, and you know what you learned along the way and, and and everything that you took from that experience and so yeah i think we'll save that stuff for towards the end of the chat if that's okay first yeah. of all punk rock and paintbrushes for everybody out there who doesn't know what that is i wonder if you could kind of tell us what it is uh, who's involved how it started and and what you do Yep. So um, Punk Rock and Paintbrushes is an art collective of primarily career musicians, as well as the music community, the touring community, professional athletes, mostly skateboarders. And we showcase their artistic talents, um, whether it's photography or painting or, you know, any type of visual art. And we showcase them at art uh, galleries, art shows, music festivals. We have on-site art galleries at the festivals. And um, yeah, it's really grown into a community, a movement. We went right before or after, after I spoke to you, we went on a U.S. tour. We went across the Midwest. We went to the East Coast with a variety of our artists. And, um, you know, one of the... Um, things we pulled in was like a VIP experience where we had the um, like a Q&A. And so it really dug deeper into the artists. Um, we created our coffee table book, which not only shares the talents of their art, but just their 
tribulations and their struggles and their life process. And, um, you know, I wanted people to connect with them. And it's about successful artists. And some of our artists we work with, um, you know, have like dyslexia or are like on the spectrum or different things like that. And just showing like that it's kind of more of a superpower, you know, um, I wouldn't go, I won't go into all the stories, but you can read the coffee table book about it, but it just shares that it's about successful, creative people. Cause as we spoke last, Matt, you know, it's, in America, at least, it's like the white picket fence dream. And it's like, you can have that dream, but, you know, have a podcast, be a singer of a band, be an artist. And that's kind of what we strive to showcase and to um, just shine light on the other talent that these musicians have. And through the pandemic, especially, everyone kind of lost their job, essentially. And so this was a way for them to really bring their art to light. And and I'm I'm working and a lot of these people that I have not worked with so far have been creating art more and they're like just at the cliff of about to show the world their art. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Probably Jesse, some people you might know or be on tour with, but um <laughs> but it's wait, like wait, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder who <laughs> it's like I just gotta motivate them. And I'm like, it's funny because even tomorrow I was like, okay, I need to go get coffee and like you know, because it's it's nerve wracking. These people, these these artists have had success as a musician or a skateboarder. And for them to put their, you know, heart on their slave or put their art for people to see, it's it's hard. And so the, the last year and a half, they've had that opportunity to create more. And so hopefully now for myself is the time to motivate them to hopefully next year start showcasing their art. I love that. I think it's great. Yeah, I totally back it. I'm curious, where did this idea come from? When and where did you like go, wow, this is a great idea? Um, so I shared this this story in the last podcast or the uh, Matt's other podcast. And I've, the story basically is I had cancer. I um, went through remission to remission and myself and Tim McElrath from Rise Against, we painted a um, piece of art and neither of us are artists like at all or painters at all have so you got the piece a, nearby in there emily could you show us i i do are you looking at it now i am looking at it it's on the other at the opposite wall but um do you want me to grab it yeah could you okay okay yeah. <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah we, we had tim on this show a while back he's a lovely 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 man oh yeah nice artwork right there i love it do you draw do you paint i i do draw yeah I drew a lot as a kid, mostly like abstract and graffiti kind of shit, but I don't, I haven't done it in years. Well, Emily, we got someone here. Okay. We need to encourage to pick up the brush again. Oh, okay. So this is the piece. Oh, it's, look at that. It's really not, you know, obviously amazing, but it's this lyrics to the Rise Again song, Survive. Oh, so I love it. I painted the green ribbon because it stands for lymphoma, which is what I had. And then Tim painted the lyrics. And that actually was done in 2007 when I was living in Australia. Um, and yeah, so we just did that. It was like a gift. Um, it's just, he's just a person. Uh, Emily, can I ask you to be careful of the um, the mic on the, uh, the headphones? <laughs> We're getting the... <laughs> oh, gosh. I have a friend that... Yes. Okay, I'm not going to move. <laughs> 
if you maybe just hold it and that might be a pain but if you maybe just kind of like hold on to it as as is that is that annoying or is that okay <laughs> no i don't, you don't ever need to wear go right, these. you don't need to go right up to the mouth it's just so it's not like banging and otherwise you're gonna deafen me and jesse but it's okay okay <laughs> yes i actually have a good friend that always does that and it, it's pretty terrible that noise is like uh <laughs> fingers on a chalkboard so um so anyhow um yeah so we did that piece and the idea came to create more and so what we did is that we had people that have been affected by cancer have had cancer, lost someone to cancer, um, and so forth, paint the different ribbons. And then we had a variety. Oh, we had a variety of musicians paint lyrics on the top um, of them. Did you did you happen to do one of these, Jesse? Do you remember? This I, vaguely does sound familiar now that you're mentioning it. Really? <laughs> it, it's really hard to remember certain things in tour oh my when you're gosh. on tour. Are we Maybe. going yes. to 2007 with this? Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been part of that in 2007 because I was. Oh. Off, I was off the grid in 2007. Okay. I was, I was in a really small band. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you know. I'm thinking about it, and I'm almost positive that your band actually did a piece. I would say, like, more in 2011. I believe it might have um, been I'm, me then, actually, because between look. Times of Grace and Kill Switch, that sounds familiar, but I don't know. Okay, okay, <laughs> I, you know, I almost, I almost. This uh, is amazing. It could have happened. I know that's so funny. So, so yeah. So, long story short, is we would have musicians paint the lyrics on top of these ribbons, and we had a variety from, you know, from Slipknot to Martin Gore of Depeche Mode, to Duff from Guns N' Roses, to, you know, everyone and anyone did them. And then slowly the musicians I had asked to paint um, kind of rose their hand and started expressing that they wanted to do the whole piece and that they were artists as well and that they have lost someone to cancer and this is really mm -hmm. important to them and so forth. And so long behold, I found out that they had these like hidden talents and that a lot of these professional um, musicians were also painters. And that's that's really the story and how this came about. This was never an intention or a life goal or a, you know, I didn't like create a, a mission statement or anything. Um, we started with this, my very small group of artists. We had um, Matt Skiba from um, Alkaline Trio and Blank and Warren from the Vandals, Hunter from AFI. And I think that was like our first core group. And Matt, I think, had just joined Blink. So it was kind of like, you know, that that was great. He was rising more um, with his career. And so, yeah, so then it, so Punk Rock and Paintbrushes, we just did an art show and it went well and they all really enjoyed it. Um, they were all, you know, it was kind of nerve wracking having just everyone there in one room, um, including your fans and everything. Um, and, you know, no backstage to turn to. <laughs> and you know and and it's true and it's like it's almost like they're on stage for like hours on end and or doing a meet and greet like a four-hour meet and greet you know and it's not just you know people asking um whatever questions they would ask it's it's the it's pretty in-depth and very personal questions because a lot of art is very personal so mm. it's a lot you know and we actually are at a point where we have like little green rooms where they can sit step back and you know because sometimes it gets I mean, even for myself, and I don't even create the art, but you just meet 
so many um, extraordinary people just, you know, and, and what I'm grateful for is like when we do music festivals, we have the artist's art and then I'm there at most times. And if the artists aren't there, I'm that, you know, go to. So, um, you know, if we were to have Mark Mothersbaugh art, which we just had at a few festivals, people would come to me and share with me how Devo has been so important to them and Mark Mothersbaugh. And it's like, I kind of am that ear. And it's just like, it makes you think like, okay, keep, keep going with this, you know? Um, and so if they can't tell those artists direct, so I, and I, you know, I always share with the artists how important, important their art is to these fans and so forth. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it started though. That beautiful piece by Tim and I, so. I love that. It's, it's, it's taking a, you know, potentially a tragic thing, a dark thing, a hard to deal with thing and making it into something beautiful. And the fact that you can have, that kind of connection, you know, cause that's what music and lyrics and why people, I think go towards punk rock, for example, at punk rock saved my life. That whole phrase is true. I, when I was a little lost kid, if it wasn't for punk rock, I don't know where I'd be to have that connection with the music and then to be able to do that with art and then have the subject of, of cancer be part of it too. I th that's powerful. It's powerful stuff. Cause I feel like everybody knows somebody who's either mm. passed away because of cancer or has survived it. So all of that wrapped up into like, that's power. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, you know, it was kind of like the whole thing of find the silver lining, you know, uh, when people come to the exhibits and they see what, what this is, this isn't, and for me, it's not just an art exhibit. It's, it is a, you know, there's meaning behind it and there's passion behind it. And people create these things for a reason. They don't just grab a paintbrush and splatter some paint on. There's a lot of emotion with it. And um, we, you know, it is a getting a positive thing from a negative experience I had. And, you know, when we created the coffee table book last year, um, and it was published this year, same thing, you know, everyone lost their job. It's like these, they're performers or creators of music and they lost their job. And, you know, you know, you both would know this, that if in August in any normal year, I approached 29 musicians and asked them to be in a coffee table book, like there would never, that same wouldn't mom. happen. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm shocked it even did happen to be, you know, but like everyone's just like sitting at home. So when we decided upon creating this book and we created it, you know, it is like we did it in two and a half months, but it's like, well, everyone was home with their families or I don't know, working at Trader Joe's at that point. I don't know what we all were doing. So again, it's like this, this horrific experience of a pandemic and the loss that the world experienced. Well, at least we created a book out of it, you know, and that's really the truth of it. I it's a beautiful it. book as well, and it's a real testament to the community that you've built, um, you know, over what's been kind of half your life, I imagine, with all the warp Tour, like, months added up and years added up. <laughs> Can I ask you, Emily, how old were you when you found out that you had cancer? Um, so, I should know this, but I think I was 22, wow. and then I went into remission at 23, so... Yeah, I was 22 and then went to remission at 23. And funnily, I, um, in April, actually, I didn't have, so when I had cancer, I lost all my hair and, you know, I was very ill. 
and I don't have one photo. I have no photos of myself with no hair because I was young and I was so self-conscious about it. So then I actually commissioned one of our artists to paint. Actually, it's, oh, oh, it's, it's reached. It's, I can reach it. Oh, this is strange. Surrounded by art. I love it. (laughs) So I have this piece actually. I'll just kind of show it. So um, that was like a commission. I asked an artist in our book to create it. And I just said, hey, let's make myself look, you know, younger, but older because I wasn't quite young. Maybe put some discoloration to my skin and, you know, anyhow. So Mark DeSalvo, he was the artist and he created that in April. And then this July, he started going through chemo and it was like, oh, oh wow. my God. It was just like, wait, wh- what it, is this? Who would think that this artist that's creating this piece of my experience that I went through, you know, three months later, all of a sudden is going through that same experience. You know, it's just, we don't know. And I think that's the thing is, you know, in the music community, um, you know, Mark, um, uh, Mark from Blink-182 or, or, you know, a a tour manager friend that you might know, um, anyhow, this other guy, he's going through cancer. And I think the pandemic, I feel like the world kind of focused on it, that that was the only thing that could happen to us when in reality, there's still everything else. Like life is still actually happening, you know, like there's still the tragic the tragedy there's still sicknesses and so forth and so when they happen it's like what wait i thought it was just i thought it was just about you know the 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 uh the covid and that was you know and and it kind of is like it it's good that it came to us and we we're like oh yeah life still happens and you know like what you guys just experienced like crazy crazy shit still happens every day so yeah you raise a really interesting point there we kind of take the the eye off the prize don't we because we're so focused on the one thing um when you're 22 do you say you're 22 when, i think when... so yeah 20 22 got uh was 22 went into mission at 23 so it was a bit over like a 12 a year span what was the mental process do you remember because i mean being that age you know particularly being like a you know a young woman and having something so heavy dropped on your lap um how did you process that and, and how did you go about trying to like deal with it did you have an amazing support network um, yeah. with, the doc- with the doctors that were helping you out amazing like how how was it trying to navigate that at that age right so um so i know well so i uh i i, I have a story i wanted to share and i've actually uh, my friend soma she had done an art piece and i have not really ever shared this story in public for sure so <clears throat> mind me but um i'll kind of share that share what happened um, and when you asked me to do this podcast, I kind of thought, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll let you guys know and everything. So I had my first uh, appointment with the doctor on December 27th, 2006. And I was meeting with uh, my parents that morning to go to this doctor. And it wasn't a cancer appointment. It was just a random appointment. Right. So... I went or I was supposed to meet with them and I didn't have my car. And so my father said, Oh, what happened? And said, Oh, well, my car got towed last night. So the night before this appointment on December 26th was right after Christmas. Um, I was actually, so I was, I was 
sexually assaulted um, at gun. There was a gunpoint. And the next morning, uh, so that incident happened. The next morning, I had my first appointment with my doctor for my cancer appointment. And that night, I had an appointment with a forensic scientist involving the situation that happened to me. And it was crazy, as you could imagine. Um, And it was just like, I just remember my dad being like, where's the car? And I was like, and and you, when, when someone goes through a trauma, you kind of, you forget and you always hear that. And then unless, and I still like have blocked out things from it and, you know, and so that evening, yeah, I was in with this, um, it was like a forensic scientist doctor situation. I mean, any woman that's been through that knows what I'm talking about. And it's a horrible experience. It's one of the, I mean, the, the scientific part of it is just like, it's really invasive. Um, so meanwhile, I had my first appointment and then, um, I had a growth on my neck is what happened. And so I just thought, you know, everything's fine. And then meanwhile, I'm like, what just happened? Like, you know, I just, um, not sure what's going on in my life. And, so I went to the doctor and yeah, they, um, I'm with my sister. My sister is six years older than me and she's amazing. And she's like a, a mother to me really. Um, and so we went in on like a Saturday and I had to go back to work on the Monday. And so they had said, you know, you should probably get a, we'll have your sister go get you an overnight bag. Cause you should stay here. And it was like, what well, I have a, like a growth on my neck and I, I just want it cut off. Like I'm what are you, you know, it was just like, I had no idea what was going on. So, um, I actually was in the hospital for about four to five weeks and, um, going back to the story, um, I had like community advisors, uh, or community like support advisors as well as, um, like legal systems, like police that would visit me in this hospital bed as I'm kind of almost going to get diagnosed with cancer dealing with this incident. And I'm like... Yeah. And it was like, it's, it's just like, it's so much. You're kind of like, I'm not sure what is going on. And I'm 22. And I think I at one point told my sister and I had said, I said, you know, I think let's just hold off on that for now. I don't want to, um, I don't want to have it on my mind. I just need to focus on my health. And so we did do that. And um, to close up that portion of this story is um, I was living in Australia during this, you know, time that I had come back to America for, for like a, a job or something. And so that year, as I went into remission that following year, I had gone back to Australia. And so um, I had the choice of like to close up that case or to not. And I closed it up. And, you know, it's on my mind because I closed it. I walked away from it. Was that the best decision? It was the best decision for me at that time because I couldn't mentally deal with it. But what's good is that I am hyper aware of that in my life now. Like I'll try to help other women with it and so forth. It was just, I didn't have the brain capacity or anything to be able to mentally and emotionally um, look at these two things going on. And so, um, but yeah, so when you kind of mentioned this podcast, it was like, oh, maybe I'll share that crazy incident. Um, and so, yeah, when I went into the hospital, um, it, it's, 
you know, I, I've told you, Matt, like in my last podcast, um, having cancer was like my biggest blessing ever. It really, I can't even, it just, it just opened my eyes to so many things. Um, it shared with me who was important to me, like my friends who would just, I don't know how, you know, they would just come and they would stay with me in the hospital till they could. And these people have jobs. These people have families. These, they have everything going on in their life, yet nothing matters but kind of staying by my side. And so, um, yeah, it really was an eye opening to the people in my life and to like what's important to me and what's not. And just circling back to um, the artist Mar Mark DeSalvo, who um, is, is actually going into remission now. Um, we had an art show recently in August and, and his friends came down from where he's from in Reno, Nevada. And I got a chance to talk to his friends and they're just, to be a, to be um, a spectator or a supporter of someone that you love that has cancer or has any type of, you know, illness or whatnot, that's hard. You know, I've been there, but not on the level that where like my sister was, cause you're like, you're kind of helpless. You can't cure the person, you know? But now like being able to talk to Mark's friends, you know, Mark said, told his friends, some of the guys I talked to that he said, oh, I have an art show. And they said, you know, what are you doing on this day? And they're like, oh, we're going there. It's like, I don't care about anything, but coming to see you. Because it just, it's like, we get caught up with like our jobs, with our families, with touring, with what the hell ever. And then when you sit back, like maybe in the pandemic or when your friend has cancer, it's like, what the, what the fuck really matters? You know what I mean? It's like, none of this shit matters. So uh, your, your priorities shift priorities shift for sure. When you're in those situations and all the little petty things that you used to give a shit about, don't they just go away and you're right. That's a, I think that's a blessing in disguise for a lot of people. And I could say that about, my experiences with cancer, it brings your family together. You know, I've thankfully have had people survive it, but we've also lost a bunch of people in my family as well. In those moments that are really sad, you come together and it just changes your whole perspective on everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like, I don't know anyone that's had a, you know, perfect life. No one has, you know, and it's just, you kind of like sit back and realize, yeah, what's important and who's important you know, and when I was sick, it was like the people that showed up at the hospital, it was like, Oh, my God, this person, you know, or, and it was amazing. And I did have people. Um, it's hard too. like, I had people approach me a year or so after and they had just said, um, you know, I'm really sorry, I didn't, I didn't visit you. I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. And, and I was 22. So a lot of my friends were young, too. We didn't really understand what was you know, going on at that time. It's just like, you don't, you can't grasp the reality of like, what's, what's happening, I guess. So. Mm. Yeah. Especially at that age too, you don't have the tools, the wherewithal to understand and mm -hmm. cope with that situation, which is why, you know, you were saying earlier how you just kind of put the sexual assault to the side. Cause that's a huge weight on its own. Yeah. And then having to deal with cancer, that's, that's a lot. I can't even imagine that. And it's good that you talked about it. I think it's a topic that needs to be discussed more, that people need to know. It happens a lot. And mm -hmm. it's 
only reported a small amount of when it actually happens, and it's actually a very big problem. So I commend you for for saying that and letting people know that's it's important stuff. But yeah, I can't imagine what you were going through at that time in your life. Yeah, I think just a lot of things, it's like, you know, whether it's shame or I don't know what people experience when they go through certain things or they don't want to talk about certain things. But I think I definitely will say, Matt, after we spoke, I think it was in August. Um, I want to say it was in August, but I, I own a nonprofit and we do um, harm reduction. We work with the houseless community in Los Angeles and Skid Row and one of our amazing sponsor, or it's not sponsors, um, um, volunteers, excuse me. One of our amazing volunteers, he's been, um, he was coming up a year sober and he's like, loves music. He loves punk rock. And he came to like three of our book releases and just is such a, a stoked on, stoked on life kind of guy. And um, he OD'd on his one year anniversary or one year <sighs> sobriety date. And he, he passed away and it was like, wait, like that guy, you know? And I think that what we realized, so, so Soma, who is my, um, like Soma and Stacy, my co-founders on this, we kind of were like, what, what's up with that? Like, what's going on with this? And, and the questions, like a lot of it's around shame, like, okay, Soma, you run this every day, the sidewalk project. And I run punk rock and paintbrushes and Jesse, you're uh, in this band and Matt, you're in this podcast. Like, yeah, we need to share the shit we go through too. You know what I mean? And like one of my artists that I commend and, and love so much is um, Dave Navarro. He, um, you know, he, he's very successful in what he does, but he's using his platform and his voice to share about mental health and to share about his um, issues that he's had through his life, you know? that he's this um, successful musician or successful TV host or what he's been. And he's still like, I deal with this stuff. You know, we did some Q and A's with him and his fans. And it's like, he said to one, one person, they asked, well, how do you do this and that? And he's like, you know, if I can take a needle out of my arm, like anyone can, you know, or if I'm alive, anyone can be alive. And it's like, that's the truth. It's like, talking about it, you know, and, and, and just sharing, like, it's okay to go through a sexual assault, or it's okay to go through um, a traumatic experience, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, we lose, uh, the music community has lost a lot of people in the last years by whether it's taking their life or whatever it looks like. And, and then the, the world just kind of is like, well, how is that possible? Like, yeah. but they had everything. It's like, <laughs> no, they don't. You know, and I'm sure like, you know, our, our group of friends through the pandemic, it's like you hear, you know, I get those phone calls. I hear these people and it's like, it's heavy. It's heavy, you know, and they're not, it's not about the wallet. It's not that I can't play shows because I lost my job. It's like, I'm a performer. I play music for a living. And now those people, it, it went away, you know, and it affected them emotionally and, and thank God and hopefully cross our fingers it continues people continue to be able to perform yeah i mean the, the bottom line with that it's therapy you know art is amazing therapy and uh, I, you know i love all forms of art and once i discovered that as a young kid you know I'm, i'll never forget my father um as much as we had we butted heads a lot about a lot of things he pulled me aside one day and said you're an artist that's why you're different. Don't ever forget that you're an artist. And that empowered me to think uh, that way. 
and finding so much therapeutic things through art and how to express yourself. And when you go through these dark tragedies, oftentimes you don't know how to express yourself. You know, you can't just come out and say it. So having a song or a painting or a way to put that out without actually having to say it per se, I think it's an amazing way and a very therapeutic way to get it out. It's great. Yeah, no, totally agreed. And that's like the thing with anything, whether it's writing, yeah, any any type of any type of art, you know. And that's the crazy thing I feel in the world is that with children, it's like the first thing they take out of schools is art and music and all of that. And it's like, oh yeah, because science is gonna, you know, or not like you know, a chemistry class is gonna save your life, you know. And it's like, I mean, my family is a great example. I mean, they're wonderful, but they don't see the value and music. I mean, as you said, punk rock saved your life. It's like, yeah, I went, I had a weird childhood and going to a concert as a teenage girl, like that was everything to me. You know, it was, it was, it saved me. It made me feel like everything's going to be okay. And there's other, you know, punk rock little girls out there and, and guys, and it was wonderful. And it was my safe, you know, safe place to go was a, a live music, you know, a concert, but people don't recognize that that I guess don't, don't share that love maybe, mm. but. I think it goes hand in hand with what you were saying about people sharing their experiences. It's that connectivity that we need as humans. We need to be able to express ourselves and not feel alone in this world. And it's a common theme we have on this podcast and something I see on a regular basis out here on the road singing to audiences again, that connectivity that you're not alone in this. There's other people that have gone through this and are going through this. There's always somebody who can relate to you. And oftentimes I find when I share my story of, of mental health, uh, mental issues, people's stories are so much more powerful and more intense than mine. And you kind of get perspective on your situation as well. So it's just a really healthy way to have that exchange of energy. And again, just that feeling of not being alone in this world is so important. Yeah. And I think that's it with music. It's like, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, we'll work at a lot of concerts and I enjoy it definitely. And I like, um, I like going to live, see, see live music still. I, I do, but it's, you know, it's not like my oxygen, like it was when I was 16, you know, and I just think about it. And I think, I mean, could I even imagine if all of a sudden I'm like 16 years old and for a year and a half, there's no live music. I mean, <laughs> I would die. I mean, it was a bummer now for sure. But like, you know, I can go surfing. I can stay home. I'm good. You know, I'm older now. It's okay. But hell no, I couldn't imagine being a teenager like this last year, even like 20 years old or whatever, you know, and just literally having live music as your, as your oxygen, hmm. you know? So yeah, I, I would go to like three or four shows a week when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. So just having that, you know, and that's it. Like, try to look at the bright side, having try to look at the, you know, the pandemic as as positive as we can, you know, I guess taking not taking it for granted. And, you know, I went to um, I've, I've tried, I've like thought I'm like, okay, what concerts, you know, what live music do I want to go see in the last couple months, and I'll go buy buy those tickets and support, you know, support, um, hopefully the bands and whoever, I guess, you know, and so, um, or, you know, I, I maybe have bought a few, you know, I, I did like buy a few tickets to some friends show and maybe didn't make it to the show, but 
<laughs> you know. But you supported. I supported yeah. them. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't go, or you know, or whatever you can do, buy merch, and I'm like, I'm not gonna wear this. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. You though. know. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful. I I'm in that position to be able to do so. But just trying to remember, like, why we're here and what's important and what you know pulled us through to the other end, whether whether it's through the experience of having cancer, whether it's the pandemic or whatnot. So. Emily, can I ask you this? This might sound like a strange question, but did the cancer experience, did that allow you in some ways to heal psychologically from what you'd been through? Because you said it's the best thing that happened to you. Did that recovery process, did that allow you to make certain forgivenesses or not get hung up on what had, you know, horribly happened to you? Um, or, you know, did it just kind of still... Um linger on your mind through that recovery process right yes but not immediately i mean still it's like that year of my life was really quite intense and as i've shared with you matt is that i went into remission in 2007 and i got sober three years later so i think i went into remission i went back on tour right away, um, was drinking, was doing whatever I wanted to do. And, and I kind of pretended like it didn't happen. I think, I know that sounds weird. Um, and I didn't heal right away. I moved back to Sydney and continued with my life almost like everything was normal because I think I was in shock. I think that the, the 12 months prior, I I actually didn't understand. And so, you know, did that cause my like addiction and alcoholism and all that to accelerate? Maybe, maybe a little bit, like maybe I was angry a little bit. And so, um, it, it didn't really affect me. Um, in 2010, I had moved back to the United States and then got sober later that year. And I think when that happened in July that year, that's when I started to do all the things you mentioned yeah. but i kind of sat on it i think for a good three years just like it tornado in my mind like who knows what's going on and you know oh oh i'm not doing chemo that means i can like drink and do other things now because it's like no that does not what that's not what that means you always have cancer you always have you know i am always have alcoholism you always have like it, you it doesn't disappear. These things in our life doesn't disappear. If you have some type of sickness, it's not like it's gone forever. You know, I, I love a life where I know, um, you know, I have a fragile body. I've had other, uh, very intense health conditions come up throughout my life and it's okay. It's okay. Um, and you know, a, a musician and a friend's husband and just amazing person all around that I think would be great on your podcast is, uh, Bill Stevenson. Yeah. I love Bill. <laughs> we'd love yeah. to get him on i've had him on uh, my, we'd love to get him on here yeah with his whole brain hemorrhage yeah the, what a hero yeah and like i met him through his wife and um i had never we had never met and we met and it was like and it was like this weird thing like i don't want to say on mortality but kind of like we're just like yeah we have crazy bodies like him and i have like the i mean 
I'm not even going to get into it, but I have like a lot of other health conditions, but I don't let them sit on, like, I don't let them hang me up. Bill doesn't let it hang him up. And we had such a great conversation. Like one of the first conversations we ever had, it was very deep and it was like, cool. Like we get it. Let's live. Here's today. Let's do this. You know, cause we don't, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like we don't know. And so I think that all of the healing, whether it's like from the assault or whether it's from my cancer or my addiction or all these other traumatic experiences, you know, you're constantly, it's constantly going through your mind and we're constantly trying to heal it. And everyone has something. And it's like, Jesse, you mentioned something about your childhood. And it's like, I kind of had this crazy childhood myself. And it's like, you know, I'm nearly 40 years old. I'm still like trying to like go process these things. And so I don't think anything happens all of a sudden. I don't get diagnosed with cancer and I'm like, oh my God, life is good. I'm stoked. Or, or the day I have my last radiation treatment and go into like, remission do I feel like everything's you know butterflies and rainbows like no way you don't even like it's like you, you just process it and I still process it and then when I have those conversations such as I had with Bill Stevenson you're like okay cool like I'm grateful I'm grateful this is rad you know or you know that's why people go to AA they hear other people's stories and you're like oh this is you know and it's just it's it's a whole process it never comes just all at once but the cool thing is, is when you meet people, you know, with like, with like, um, recovery, you meet people a lot because there's a lot of groups, that, you know, that people connect with and so forth. That's kind of an easy way to meet people, but with like health conditions or like cancer survivors, um, you know, you don't like you, Bill comes to sign some photo I think it was. And then we have that conversation. It was like, wow, okay, good. It's like, it's like nice little reminders. So. Well, it's a shift of perspective. I think that's the big thing is like, I think that's what life is all about. You know, during this pandemic, I had a huge shift of consciousness myself. And for the first time in a very long time, I took three months off of drinking or any of that stuff. And I got to know myself. You know, after being a touring musician, you know how it is on tour, it's easy to become a booze hound. It's easy to like numb yourself out or become a coquette or whatever it is that's thrown at you. And you just get to a point where you just, thank God I had the break when I had the break because it just transitioned my brain and my perspective shift happened. And the gratitude I wake up with every day, and I'll, I'm moderate, I still drink, but I've learned to moderate it and my, my head is clear. I don't wake up foggy anymore. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's something I can't stop talking about. And it's actually, you know how it is when you get sober or when you find a new religion or you whatever, you discover a new band, you can't shut up about it. And on the, to- and on the tour bus, on this tour especially, I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, ah. And some of the guys will get up at like three and they're like, wow. And I'm like, oh, good morning. I went bike riding. How are you guys doing? And I'm that guy of like, life is good. Yeah. And it's amazing to have that perspective shift where you just appreciate life on a whole other level and you start to deal with your own shit and look yeah. inward and like sit with it. It's so important. Yeah, no, definitely. I remember like my, I remember my first tour. Um, I was just over a year sober and I was like freaked out because, you know, everything just goes together and it's like, yeah, I mean, everything just flows and you don't even know, like for me at least, like it was just, I don't know what was left from right. I was on some other planet. So when I did my first tour sober, it was a year, a year and a bit after 
And I was like, so hesitant. And I went out and I was like, oh, like everyone's sober on this. You know, it was like, oh my God, like no one, like, I just remember I, you know, I'll just, uh, at one point I, I joined these guys and they were, you know, this, this, like in this, you know, pretty big rock band, we'll say. And they're like, oh, you know, we have a, we have a yoga gang. You want to be in our yoga gang? And it was like, oh yeah, cool. You know? And then I'm like doing yoga with these like guys and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, this shit done changed. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, this is funny. And then they're like, of course, like, oh, you want to hear stories? Let me tell you stories. And you're like, hell yeah. Tell us the stories, (laughs) you know? But it's like, wow, life's different now. Okay. And I'm like all about it. I'm like, you know, I love going out with my friends and then partying and then having a good time and seeing people like at concerts or tours, like and partying, like that's great. But you know, I'm, I'm in a different life myself right now. But um, yeah, it's just, it's funny. Like you were saying, uh, you're like a guy who wakes up early and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so, yeah, that is, that is common. I, you know, these days it's like, you know, and even, and even, uh, you know, going out and uh, I just, you know, did that Sacramento, the Metallica festival that, you know, this next week in Florida and, you know, I'm like, okay, Emily, don't wear hot pink today and like get your, you know, whatever your, your Metallica gear out or, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, who am I kidding? And I'm like, I am punk rock. Like, you know, (laughs) I, I've lived a punk rock life. I like my pink and glitter and shit, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just so funny to, to be there. And um, yeah, it's good. It's like people, you can see, it's like you look at some of the, the most punk rock, the most metal um, hardcore musicians and they're, you know, look like Mr. Rogers or something. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's great though. Cause there's that misconception of what life on the road is like. And, to me, I'm enjoying this tour more than I have many tours, and I haven't had those low lows that I used to get when I was partying. You know, my depression, I've been able to keep it at bay. Like, so far, so good. And it's a different type of kind of like high you get from touring. It's, I'm seeing things and doing things I've never done before, and I'm enjoying it. It's like you're, you're sort of adulting on this, on this life, and I love it. I think it's great. The, the yoga, the stretching, I'm lifting weights. I'm like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> It's great. Yeah. How important is community, Emily, t- to punk rock and paintbrushes and all the work that you're doing? I mean, it's kind of at the focus of everything we're trying to do with this show and why I thought you'd be great for it, aside from some of your personal stories, is I do feel like you're trying to build something similar, albeit in a different lane, of just bringing people together and elevating everybody together. And is that really the core of, of what punk rock and paintbrushes and everything that you're doing is all about, is the big C word, community? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's everything that we're doing. It's, it's, as I said, we started with, you know, three to four musicians seven years ago and um, it was kind of this happy mistake and, you know, going on, did you, did I show you that video, Matt, of the Midwest tour of the guys? No, 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 I don't think so. Oh, I have to show it to you. It's so great. And, you know, when I brought those guys out on that in in July, I thought, you know, there was going to be maybe six of them that came out and there was nine of them. So, nine you know uh adult adult uh, adult men 
Uh, <laughs> <myself>. Men children. <laughs> yeah. I love you guys, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing as well, is you're kind of like chaperoning all these guys around the country. It's hilarious. Tour, tour managing them. And <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, nine. Just imagine. So it was like, oh, my God, what's going on? And so, um, so you know, like, but watching them, it was like, Oh my God, these guys are so stoked. And that's totally what that community is. And, you know, for that, for that, as an example, you know, those were more of our like professional skateboarder artists and to have them out and to have these people support them and come to the art shows and come to the Q and a and the book signing. And then we would go to these different skate parks and different areas. And then after, so it was all about the community. It was all about the skateboarding community. And then you have, you know, Christian Asoy, who's been doing this his whole life. And then you have, um, we brought on our friend, my friend that's a photographer at Transworld, and that he came out on the road with us. And it was like, so you have all these different levels, but they're all within this like skate community, you know, and that is essentially, um, you know, what, what it is. And like, we had Brandon come out and he spoke and he's not an artist, but we thought, okay, he's a part of that skateboarding community he's friends with these guys let's have him speak about his story at the vip event and we actually you know there's like a group text message between all of us and it's still going on it's pretty funny um as you could imagine and so i had one of the guys reach out actually um and this is totally public info so and when the guys reach out like a couple weeks ago and he kind of asked me this weird question and something Anyways, he asked me a question. I'm like, what does this mean? And it was like, it had to do with Brandon. So I asked Brandon, I was like, what is this? And we're like, what is he asking us? And I was like, dude, I think he's asking about his, because he he was um, drinking a lot on the tour, like a lot, you know? And we're like, okay, let's see what's going on here. So I call him and long story short is we got him into rehab last week. Like last week, like I made the call to Brandon. Brandon, we all got on the call. All of a sudden, he's in rehab last week. He's like 46 years old. He's never done this in his life. And that art tour, because it's about his art, he's, a, he's an artist. He's an ex-professional skateboarder. But that community that we created with these nine guys and myself brought light to him about other aspects of his life. And when that happened last week, I actually went to one of the art, other artists house i had to go drop some art off and he's on the phone with him so it was like oh we have a soldier falling okay well let's pick him up and i was like damn that's amazing and like even brandon said he's like if one good thing came from that tour if that was the only good thing that came from that tour we're good like we're good you know and no one they weren't and these were like nine guys you throw together some of them are friends some of them don't know each other And all of a sudden they're lifting each other up, you know, and that's what this is about. It's like, I'm going to this concert this weekend and we have some of our artists playing and it's cool to see, you know, uh, Paul Kobreiger, one of the artists, you know, he'll go to a Pennywise show and Jim's like, Hey, Paul knows each other because of punk rock and paintbrushes. We're normally, you know, they don't know each other and they maybe like, we'll see each other on a show or they'll travel together. Like we, when we travel, we all, a lot of times we'll either whether we stay together in Airbnbs or the same hotel, we have a lot of, you know, like any type of tour, you have that, that social aspect and people getting to know each other and getting to know their stories. So as far as the community and the community that we've created within the artists and then also within the fans is so amazing, you know, and it's like we went out and did um, 
this small like art and photography exhibit um, with, with Rise Against in August. And because Tim is an integral part of punk rock and paintbrushes and with the painting and everything, you know, it's become this, you know, that, 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 that piece I showed you guys is a lot of people know about it. So we went out on the road and it's like, they're really strong fans. They're like really hardcore fans. They're like all coming and they're like, Emily, Emily. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And it's like, oh my God, that's so great. It's like, they are so aware of the story of the survive art piece, you know? So, so it's not just community within the artists or the photographers. It's the community that we've created with these, um, with the artists, fans and the buyers and everyone, you know? And I think that, I mean, that's really essentially what it's all about. I mean, that's, that's what the foundation is, you know? I think that's with, with any type of like group setting that you create. It's all about the community that you create. If without that, without people lifting each other up, if that's the type of goal you have, it's like, well, what, then what is there, you know? So I think it's everything. To me, that's the true spirit of punk right there. I love that. That's beautiful. Finding your tribe, you know, and then expanding that message. I love it. That makes me really happy. Yeah. And it's just like I've always said with punk rock and paintbrushes, um, you know, a lot of these people would not normally share their art, but now that they see their peers sharing it, they're like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna share it. And then, you know, it takes a little bit more nudging than, you know, some people do. And even like, you know, retracting back, but it's like, you know, going up to LA tomorrow, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm gonna meet with this guy for coffee. I'm gonna talk to him about his art. I don't know. I've never met this guy in my life, but it's like, that's important because he needs to feel motivated, you know, if, and then I think also with myself, it's like if your manager or your band members or your wife or your family are constantly telling you you're doing a good job, that's important. But when you have like a stranger or someone you're kind of like have, you know, tell you like that they're doing what they're creating is magical and what they're creating is good. It's like, okay, now I know you're, your family's always going to say you're doing a good job, you know, you know, your wife hears your new song that sucks. Oh, she's going to hopefully say it's okay. Right. You know, or, <laughs> <laughs> but so I think that's it. It's like, it's like lifting, lifting one another up. And, and that's the cool part is that when I'm at the crossroads with punk rock and paintbrushes, like we did the Sacramento show, we're going to Florida and that's another her world. Like Jesse, the, the tour you're on, like that's, that's something that perhaps we'll tap into next year, but it's like, it's not tapped into, you know, I didn't grow up on metal. I grew up on punk rock, but trust me, there's a lot of amazing artists out there. And it's like, that's, you know, we have like Charlie Benante. He's um, been, he's, he's in our book and Carla from the butcher babies. And they're kind of from that, from more of that world. But you've got everything. one of the guys from agnostic front as well, right? Oh yeah. Mike, yeah. Mike Gallo. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. It's growing. It's growing, Emily. I know. And they're like, Oh, you should. I'm like, Hey, you know, someone else, anyone else want to like do this? <laughs> so, you know, but I mean, even you, I bet you, if you look into country artists or I'm just making this up, it's like, there's probably a ton of, you know, it's all out there. You just need that voice to be able to like, to, to lift them up. And so I'm, I'm very, very grateful that I've created the community and, and everything I've created. And, and going back to the first question, it's like, it was never, yeah, it was kind of this happy mistake, but I think a, a lot of things in life are 
are happy mistakes. They just, they just happen. It's like, you know, and, and I, even tomorrow it was like, I didn't know how this whole Florida thing was going to work out. I told, you know, DWP, I said, yep, let's do it. And it was like, Oh my God, Florida is so far, you know, how's this going to work? And it's like, it works. Everything worked out. Everything's great. You know? And it's like, okay, things are just, if you don't like jump off the cliff then you never know what's going to happen. So just like jump off and, you know, hold your breath and things will hopefully fall into place. So words to live by. <laughs> Emily, I said it to you when you're on my show. I'm going to say it again now. I just think you're such an inspiring, amazing woman. You know, you're the caretaker of this super cool community and, you know, you're encouraging people to express themselves and bringing people together and I just, I love talking to you. I always like kind of our dialogue and I just think everything you're doing is awesome. And it's been great having you on this show and, and giving you and Jesse the chance to, to connect as well. Yeah, to it's reconnect. been awesome. Yeah. I'm going to look for that photo now. I'm like, I, now I'm like thinking, I, I, I think I have a photo of you like holding an art piece. Maybe. Yeah. It's again, it sounds familiar. My, my memories. <laughs> My memory back then, especially because I was drinking a lot back yeah, in those yeah. days, is a little foggy. But yeah, yeah I, I'm also inspired too. I love what you're doing. I commend you for it. It's exciting. And I think you're right. You haven't even begun to tap into the amount of people that are creative outside of just being a musician or you know a performer or an acrobat. There's a ton of that. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of mileage and bring a, a lot of people together. And mm -hmm. I, I can't say anything more than just, I commend you for that. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, this is great, man. Thank you for I'm, sharing your story yeah. as well, Emily, and opening up about some things that obviously, you know, must've been pretty hard to get into. So we appreciate that. And yeah, it's, um, it's good, isn't it? To talk about that stuff and to, to share it. So people know that they're not alone because we're not yeah. alone, as you said. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, awesome. and you made it to the end of the podcast without anything bad going, going down. Oh my so. god! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway, <laughs> um, we'll let you know when this is going up, and we'll be in touch. And um, yeah, okay. talk real soon. Okay, sounds great. Okay, thanks. thanks. Cheers, Bye. Emily. Bye. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns